Welcome to the podcast. It is Live Transform with Dr. Jim Richards, Woo! Audrey, and myself. Glad you're Did with you us. Did you hear a bird? Is there a bird in here? No, you're, I like that, this. That was, you know what? That was a redneck. <laughs> over over the last uh, few episodes, it's Jim Tip typically opens <laughs> opens the podcast with a woohoo or something. Yeah. He does. It's, it I'm it is to, there. You know I'm trying to start a new tradition. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a good it's working. one. But did you hear what you just said? Jim, he was trying to say Jim typically, but he just called it a gym tip. And I thought, oh, are you in for a good gym tip today? <laughs> yeah. Like a tip from Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if, if if I can, I'll, I'll kind of date this one. This one's actually going to be coming out on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Woo, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is our Thanksgiving uh, podcast. I love it. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I love it. This is a wonderful time of year, and, and it's it's. I love our subject today. I love that we're going to, you're just going to enjoy this podcast so much. We talked a little pre-talk about it, and it's really one of those highlights for me, yeah. talking about the presence of God, what he what happens in his presence, yeah. and how it changes mm-hmm. everything. Like, that's mm-hmm. basically what mm-hmm. I would say. Well, and we're also in a season of you know, it it has come kind of close to this new you know end of an of a year, and you know, it's it's celebratory, it's holidays, it's families, all these, all of these. But uh, uh, one of the words that we were speaking about uh, before we began was the word renewal. Yep. And I think that's the kind of season that we're in, and uh, it's a renewal time for all of us. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. By the way. I, uh, we will release a new video on uh, the first week in December. Okay. And uh, uh, Abby Lopez and I, you know, we do, we do some, some in, just some videos outside of Cyber Church that, that we think are there's a there's a special need, so to speak, and so it doesn't yes, fit in with yes. it doesn't fit like in with it. what we're doing anywhere else. So so me and her get together, and one of the things. Uh, is that I uh, we go into and we spend about at least an, I think an hour and twenty minutes talking about not all, you know answering the question is it wrong for Christians to celebrate Christmas and there's a lot of people that either, you know I will say there's several categories of how people celebrate Christmas one is there just people that are trying to have a good time with their family you know what and 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 they usually they usually probably have better Christmases than almost anybody. Uh, and then there are people that celebrate the commercial Christmas. And these are the people that get stuck in obligation for buying gifts. It's not about connection. These are the people that hate Christmas or hate Thanksgiving or hate, you know, holidays. Because, it's a drain. Yes, yeah, a drain. It's an obligation. Mm-hmm. Then, then there is the legalist who doesn't celebrate holidays because they are so legalistic and mean spirited and angry about life that, and God that, uh, you know, that they think it would be a wicked sin for anybody. And, and that they're not only miserable, they're going to try to make you miserable by trying to make you feel the same guilt and shame that they feel. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, then there's the believer that says, you know, I, I'm not worshiping my Christmas tree. Uh, you know, our family, as much as we know how are making this about Jesus, but usually it gets for most families, it gets harder and harder to make, any holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, it gets harder and harder to actually know how to bring Jesus into this oh. in a in a comfortable way for everybody. And so, yeah. you know, we don't we not only answered questions about what the Bible says about. And by the way, one of the things that Paul said, do not let people cheat you out of your inheritance because of what days you observe and feasts and festivals and new moons and all this kind of stuff. Uh, P- Paul has some strong things to say about, uh, uh, I mean, Paul himself, you know, he ate meat sacrificed idols. <laughs> so I got, I don't think he'd have trouble having a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one of the things that we did in this, I'm sorry to take so long on this because I just oh, think it's no. no, I think this is really great. One of the things, I, I think we're all in that season. Yeah, yeah we're all. You in know, it's it's there. starting right yeah. now, and so let's make it a good one. Yeah, let's set ourselves. Let's set, set ourselves up for success. So I took here. the yeah. principles of all of the Old Testament feasts and festivals, and mm-hmm. said, okay, how did God say to observe a feast? 
Now, now here's the thing, by the way, that people don't understand. All of the sacrifice, see, the book of Exodus is when God's calling Israel out of Egypt, he's saying, look, I'm holy. I want you to be holy. Now, the word holy actually just means uncommon. And that, that's all it means. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. to be holy, you first have to sanctify something in your heart, not in, you know, not just geographically, but in your heart, you decide what is this about, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and then God gives some incredible instructions for how, see, even observing a feast of Israel is an unholy, ungodly thing. If you're not doing it the way God said to not, not in the sense that you got to do this and eat this. Other no, it's about what you have in your heart. So we yeah. took all those principles, Abby and I, and talked about how you could, without getting too religious uh, or making people feel uncomfortable, you could have incredible God-centered uh, holidays. And and we're given we're given a bunch of free tools uh, for people to use if they, if they want to make use of them. That, that when they go right. when they see these, they can, they can download them. Good. That is such an incredible gift. And then within that, you know, I just want to release you as a listener. Every one of us has a different vantage point of how we view Christmas, what our experiences have been. And we get to just talk about it freely without just all just putting things on the table. And then you get to decide yeah. for you, like where you feel the most comfortable. You know, Bob, um, Jim, we were in Michigan last week and Bob uh, was is speaking from the stage where it was Sunday morning and he pulled out this scripture. Okay. That was so cool. That one was mm. said, it actually in the, um, the passion translation, it was saying, you know, walk, I'm just really, um, paraphrasing here, but you know, just walk in harmony with each other, love each other and all this, and don't ruin your lives by hanging on to your opinion. <laughs> it's like, and I was Man. like, is that in the Bible? Because that needs to be shouted from the rooftop as a Christmas theme. Don't ruin <clears throat> your lives by just, you know, being in love well, with your own opinion. Well, you know, Sadly, people have classified repentance as just, okay, when I sin, then this is what I got to do. Right. But right. repentance is way bigger than that. That's, that's a limited, uh, uh, a one-dimensional concept of something that's really big because repentance is really more about, in general, giving up your opinions, which means yeah. you become open and teachable. If you're not yes. open and teachable and able to hear a different point of view, then you, you've got a repentance uh, deficiency in your life. Hmm. Associating that word repentance with giving up opinions. Mm. I love that because it is, I've, I've often, we've talked for years about the definition is just changing your mind or changing oh, yeah. the way you think. But that really is giving up your opinion and what yeah. you're holding tight onto. Well, the reason I started talking about opinion, not, on, not only is that consistent with what the word and the Hebrew and the Greek means, but, you know, for years, you know, I'm, I mean, I was, I was one of those people that back in the very early days started talking about repentance being changed in your mind. But, I, yeah. but here's something I've discovered, you know, and, and as a pioneer, I bring a lot of things to the forefront. I'm not saying nobody else does some of these things, but I'm saying usually right. on a grand scale, nobody does them. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I start bringing these things out and helping to open people's minds. But I'm telling you, it doesn't take too many years, even when you brought out a new concept based on scripture, that people somehow minimize it and twist it back into something. And so people even took the whole concept of changing your mind and minimize it and lost sight of, of, of what it really meant. And so I thought, right. okay, let me find another way to say this then. Way back, I mean back in the 80s, when people still wanted a midweek service. I did not want to have all these services. <laughs> I'm telling you, it drove me crazy. Uh, so what I so I would actually have real Bible studies. I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, when a denominational church, they say Wednesday night's prayer meeting night, but they don't pray. And then when they got a little more advanced, they call them Bible studies, but, but they don't study the Bible. You know what I mean? So I thought, okay, Bible study. So, you know, one of the things I've always done, I, I, I always work from the assumption that you know more about what you want to know than I do. And so mm -hmm. allowing people to ask questions has just always been one of the most powerful things that has ever happened in any of the places I've had meetings. Mm -hmm. And so th there was this guy, he was one of these guys, he was a hard nose, you know, 
and uh, always pushing to be right and you know, all that mess. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't dislike him, but he was difficult. He was difficult. <laughs> he, he was not just difficult to get along with. He was difficult to have a conversation with. And so he came to see me one day. And so we were just sitting there talking. I, you know, I just waiting for him to tell me what he, I figured he was going to tell me something I was doing wrong because it's normally what he did <laughs> if he showed up. But he told me something. He said, you know what? He said, uh, uh, you know, I've come to trust you in a way that I never trusted you. I said, really? Wow. I, I said, well, what brought that about? He said, you are the only preacher I have ever heard that when somebody asks you a question, if you didn't know the answer, you just said, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, he said, I've never, he said, I have never seen yeah, it. In I, have my deep, whole life. I have deep respect mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Yes. So, that is amazing. So, you know, my, my point into all of that, you can't be teachable if you think you have to know every answer. Right, right. And you can't be teachable if you're you're going to ignore. You know, right right now we see this in the governments of the world totally ignoring facts, totally ignoring historical facts, totally ignoring scientific facts, totally ignoring uh, 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 civil, you know, facts about civil justice. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you just go down to the list. Almost everything is happening, and almost every government in the world right now is a total, uh, just having no thought or consideration for actual facts, right. which means they've got an opinion. It, there's a ton of, the opinions right now are just, yeah. well, we don't even have to say that to our listeners. No, Everybody we don't have to. They, they know. We're at. But yeah. we do that on an individual level. Yes, yes. I'm responsible for me. Yeah. That that I get to have a teachable heart. That I get to, you know. You started something a few, about, about three minutes ago. You said the easiest life is. Oh yeah. And then, okay. I just wanted to keep you on Thank that because I was intrigued. Well, what I was, I was say is the easiest life is being comfortable discovering that you're wrong. Ah. Because if I discover that I'm wrong, then I finally go, oh, no wonder that wasn't working. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, because people, you know, Christians are like everybody else. When when it doesn't work, they just double down on what's not working. Yeah. And so their frustration grows exponentially because they're trying harder at something that has never worked for them. It is never going to work for them. But but because it's part of their culture, remember, by your tradition and your culture, you make the word of God of no effect. Because you trust your culture that never works more than you trust the word of God that you never tried. And so, wow. and so, you know, I tell you, it, it, became, it, it, it took a load of pressure off of me as a young preacher to, to realize it's all right not to know the answer. Yeah. The easiest uh -uh. life is just being comfortable discovering you were wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so that gave me um, just a reminder of something. You I take that out and preach on that girl. Yeah, girl. I mean, yeah, baby. <laughs> so this is this is a quote I heard yesterday, and I went because I don't find I'm just not natural. I'm sure I am opinionated, but I don't usually say my opinions. Oh wow, really? Oh, I'm very opinionated. Hey, hey we Bob, all have our opinions. Bob, come on, Jim. Get your phone. Yeah. Get your phone out. Turn the recorder, and you're gonna be able to use this later. <laughs> Okay, can I say this? I don't tend to be. No, I guess I do disagree. But you're anyway. not argumentative. Even if you, it's all right to have an opinion. You. Okay, having thank an opinion you. really is not what causes the problem. Trying to defend argue. and argue yeah. everybody else into the same opinion—that's where the conflict Jim, comes. Jim, thank you very much. Because honestly, I'm not very argumentative. No, you're I, not. I don't. No. no, but anyway, somebody said something yesterday, and I just like my mouth dropped. And this was the quote. Everything you want is on the other side of hard. Oh, good grief. I said, oh, Jesus, take me to heaven now. If that's where life is, and it's that try hard. That was a famous quote that is really respected. And I went, whew, that is the life well, let me say that this. That's so respected. many people are caught in. That's respected among legalists, idiots, and control freaks. No, I'm serious. I, yeah. I, and I don't mind saying so. The most destructive, there's two, three doctrines that are widely accepted in all of Christianity. And, they, and these two or three incredibly popular doctrines 
all, you know, are not, none of them are scriptural, but one of the things they do is they give complete control to the controllers who want to run your life. Wow. You know, you know, there's a doctrine that's emerging and this, by the way, folks, I hope that you're enjoying this, getting something out of it. We're going to get into something very specific in a minute. Yeah. But you know, uh, let me, let, let yeah. me just talk. Uh, I, I want to reference this controller element here. Yeah. And, and it's almost as though the thought comes up, you know, control to me, you know, and, and it's, it's almost as though those that control others yeah. are being controlled. Mm-hmm. If you're a controller, if you're you being controlled. A controller, typically, you are being controlled. Well, you're you're being controlled by your need to control. You know, it, exactly. It's, kind of a, no, exactly. It, it's a vicious cycle. It, it is. Yeah. So, what is this doctrine? Uh, <clears throat> there is a doctrine that see something sixty something percent of seminaries and Bible schools do not believe or teach what the Bible teaches about creation. That's pretty phenomenal. Considering if you don't get that part right, nothing else in the Bible will that you try <laughs> to believe is ever going to line up just right. But <clears throat> so sci- fake science, and I'm telling you, it is fake science. This is not a religious opinion. There is not one piece of real evidence that lends itself to what they call the old earth theory. But there are and there's not one shred of evidence that supports Darwinian uh, uh, evolutionary concepts. Uh, nothing. I mean, nothing. Uh, and when you look at what they use for science, there's always some place where they say, okay, now this is factual, but now you just kind of have to make up this right here. Because, it, because it, <laughs> if you take everything that's in this little gap here, it's going to prove that all that was wrong. And since we've decided it's right, let's just overlook this and just jump over here. And so, you know, I mean, carbon dating, all of those kinds of things are wrong. And here's another thing that's completely wrong. You know, astronomers, they look out into the universe uh, seeking to understand the age of the universe and all that kind of stuff. And all of their equations are wrong, all of them, because they made all of their equation about what's happening out in the universe based on gravity being the ultimate force. Gravity is not the ultimate force. Gravity has no, virtually no influence over the, over most of what's out there in the universe. Magnetism does, ah, but to, but but they would have to go back and change every textbook. They have changed every theory, and their theories are anti-God theories. But anyhow, yeah. So here here is here is the real corruption of the old Earth theory. The old Earth theory that buys into evolution then says that that death came in before sin interesting so if death came in before sin then you are ignorantly embracing an evolutionary concept that said mm. death 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 and so the, and you're saying that man got better and better and better until the garden and that man is getting better and better and better. Well, that, you know, the, the what is it? The first or second first or second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy. And uh, everything in the universe works by the law of entropy, which says that it, everything in the universe is actually moving toward chaos and, and moving toward uh, uh, destruction. So they're saying, now this is one of the most important rules you got to understand as a scientist, but we're going to ignore it when it comes to creation and evolution. We're going to ignore entropy and we're going to, we're going to say that through time, the universe is organizing. There is not one scientific way. I mean, there is nothing in all of science that can prove that the earth is getting better or that we're getting better. We live shorter lives. We have more diseases, right. you know, da, 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 da. You go down this list. So, but the problem then is that if I believe death came before, before sin, then I have to, on a certain level, buy into the concept that pain and suffering is how we get better. Right. 
And that's where most that, Christians I mean, I, live. This is where it's literally sinking into me. Yeah. This is pain and suffering is how we get better. And so that and, is like, that is the life is hard no. theory. So if you take that concept, you know, hermeneutics. And I can even add the word deprivation and all oh, yeah. kinds of words with the pain and suffering. Well, you know, even, even the word uh, darkness and light. I mean, we have such, we have such a, 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 a limited concepts of what those words actually mean. Because darkness, not, not only darkness is confusion, it is chaos, it's all these things, but basically darkness is entropy. And very, ah. and you know, very probably before sin came into the world, there was entropy and then at night, but then in the morning, it was all renewed again. Wow. And so it's like, and so like an wow. every 24 hour period, you overcame entropy which has to exist in a physical universe. This is really resonating with me. It's Good. new thought that is just resonating because there's some there's so much more to our new daybreak day than we know. There's just so much more to that the rhythm of the, you oh, said, yeah. overcoming entropy and then the renewal, but then the faithfulness of that new day and mm. the renewal and the possibilities and and all the new chances, yeah. new New mercies, new everything in a morning is such a big deal. Well, this is this is really taking us into the whole concept of renewal. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome how that actually God mixed in created there. the universe and ultimately he created mankind that entropy would not take over our lives. And that and that to the degree we experience entropy and our health and our emotions and all that kind of stuff to the degree that we experienced it it was like his mercies are renewed daily and so really every single day we can move out of the level of spiritual entropy that we experienced yesterday we can start over brand new every every single day yes yes and so you know we've talked about that you know through the hebrew alphabet I mean, I don't know how many times we've covered this about, about you know, if you start out with the desire to harmonize heaven and earth, that is righteousness. Righteousness is being mm -hmm. in harmony with God, with his creation, you know, with his character. And then from there, you move to the bet, the second letter, you know, the heart. And so now, now this is, this is a heart thing. This is what you're holding in your heart. This is defining who you are. And then you move from there because this is in your heart. You move to the third letter, which is the Gimel. And I know all this is review for everybody. And the Gimel is all about now because you're in harmony with God, you become motivated and moved by compassion and loving kindness. And the, you know, the Gimel represents that part of you that, that reaches out to people and helps people and recovers people. And so, and so when, when, you, when you have made it that far in what your intentions are, then you realize the dollet. And the dollet is a door, a gate, an opening, or a portal. And uh, <clears throat> so, so you can't perceive. And really, this is what this gets, starts getting into entering into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Because it's just, you know, John 3 Three says that if you get born again, you can see or perceive the kingdom of heaven. Let's say you're there. You can just see that there's a door. You can just see there's an entryway. And so what makes you capable of seeing this entryway is when you are harmonizing yourself with God, when you are renewing your heart and your beliefs and your self-perception, and when you are letting that manifest in loving kindness and mercy and, and, you know, and, and helping people because your heart is there, you perceive, wait a minute, there, th there's a door here. There's a lifestyle. There's a, there's, yes. there's a whole new dimension that I can enter into. Yes. And, and that's where you go through the dollet. And, and, you know, Jesus said he is the door. And so the dollet actually represents going into another dimension because of, of who Jesus is. You, you know, you can move, out of just doing this place, this just by your passion, 
just by your efforts and all that, and you move into a place where this is all happening by the grace of God. It's, a, it's just the power of God. And what you move into is the hay. Now, the hay, as we have talked about, and I know all this is reviewed. I know some of you are saying, I've heard you say this. I'm like, that's well, okay, okay keep that's listening. That's okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the hay. <laughs> I can hear it a million times and I keep need to, need to hear it. You know, it's the hay represents times. the choice between the narrow path that leads mm -hmm. to life and the mm -hmm. broad path that leads to destruction. And so when we choose the narrow path, then we, we, we go into this, and really we go into the presence of God where we experience uh, God breathing the breath of life into us. Hmm. And that breath of life, like we talked about the last time, I, well, I tell you, I think the last, I think it was the last time we talked about it on here. I was talking about it somewhere, you know, I just <laughs> love thinking about the breath of life. You know, there is a clump of dirt and the breath of life goes into yeah. this clump of dirt and suddenly it all gets infused and starts becoming cells and blood vessels oh, and organs yeah. and, 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 and it, it just brings so yeah. much so much incredible stunning epic understanding yeah. how incredible the breath of life is and what you just described is the opposite of entropy like he, his breath brings order <clears throat> to something whereas entropy is the gradual decline of order yeah. you know and so his breath is the opposite of entropy absolutely and so, so the thing is, now, now remember, references in the Bible to dying is basically about going back to the dust. Yeah. So Adam being made from the dust is laying there dead. And so the concept that you get from this, no matter how dead I have become, if I encounter the breath of life, I can have a resurrection that is greater than any destruction that has brought me to where I am. And I can come up out of this grave, whether it's a spiritual grave, a mental grave, an emotional grave, a relationship grave, it doesn't matter. I can come up out of this grave and suddenly be, step into the fact that I am created in likeness in the image of God. I, you know, I, I am a new creation. And so the principle. I love this. Of I just love oh, this. I love this stuff. I'm telling you, I can, oh, I, I mean, I can ponder this all this day long. This is like long. incredible. Yes. So, so you start realizing this and, and there's a, and remember God reveals truth to us through patterns. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at a lot of these people and, and I think a lot, a lot of them in, intend well, but they love getting a new doctrine that tickles their ears and feels like they know something that they nobody else knows. And so, you know, a lot of these people that are diving off into these unbiblical concepts of grace, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they dive off into something. It gives them a little bit of emotional excitement. It, like I say, it tickles their ears. It makes them feel more spiritual than somebody else. But eventually, because your brain is your your ego is the fruit of your brain and your brain is flesh it is in the continuum of flesh and so the thing about flesh flesh always needs more stimulation because because flesh works with the hormones and so the hormones that are released by stimulation make you feel excitement they make you feel euphoric they make you feel spiritual or whatever it is but the problem is if you want to have that same experience again, you have to have more stimulation. So you got to keep coming up with new weird doctrines that nobody <laughs> else, you know, that nobody else has ever heard of. But see, in the Bible, and I always used to tell our Bible school students this, never try to prove a, do a doctrine from the obscure. Hmm. And never try to disprove the obvious by the obscure. Because God reveals truth in patterns. And so <clears throat> something that is just a one time, you know, one or two time that you can kind of stretch a scripture, that's not a pattern. All of the truths that require us to be able to live the greatest life possible are all revealed through patterns. And, and you know, there's hundreds and hundreds. 
of, of places that come together to say, this is the web here. This is the pattern. This is the weaving of this. And so, and so renewal uh, is, is, it's all over the place. It's day and night. It's, uh, it's, it's the Hebrew alphabet. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's all, all these references to what happens to us in God's presence. Mm-hmm. You know, every one of those So would that be kind of the definition of like renewal is what happens to us in God's presence? Would that be a, um, would that be a. I think that would be at least a great description of the process. Okay. But, you know, <clears throat> what's really interesting and, and, you know, the three of us, you know, we have done personal and ministerial heart work for decades. Mm-hmm. And so even when you're, even when you're doing heart work with people and you're teaching people how to, you know, listen to the voice of God in their heart and how to, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, sometimes you say, well, wait a minute. Uh, there's some stuff in this pattern that isn't working as well as it should. Hmm. And, you know, all of my life, I mean, I have just worked with absolutely crazy people all of my life. Uh, I remember one time I was at a ministerial conference way back in. The, well, then you haven't been bored at all, then, have you, Jim? I haven't. No, I'm never get bored. Uh, but I was at this ministerial <laughs> conference, and so uh, this was back in the probably the '90s. And so uh, I think everybody just despised the fact that they had to sit in the same room with me. And so one of the guys walked to me after and introduced himself, and, I, and <clears throat> he gave me his name. To my church is with. I said, "Well, I'm Jim Richards. I'm pastor over Impact." So he took a pause. And when people are trying to be haughty, it's really interesting. Very often they'll lean their head back so that when they're looking at you with their eyes, they're looking down. And this is, this is a physical body language of saying, I am looking down on you. And so, <clears throat> and so he gave me that self-righteous look. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I, I've heard of impact. He said, uh, I, I, I heard there's a lot of messed up people over there. And I said, you know what? You're right. I said, yeah, I did. I said, said, you're absolutely right. I said, but you know what I heard? He said, what? I said, I heard there was a bunch of sick people up in the hospital. You think we should shut it down? (laughs) You didn't. No, I did. No, I did. Excuse me. You know, if you you don't have messed up people in, in your church, you ain't helping nobody. Yeah. You just got a little club of people that get together and pat each other on the back. Yeah. Uh, uh, we should be, I mean, we should be able to work with the worst of the worst and be more yeah. effective at it. So, but because mm-hmm. of that, you know, I used to say every person that walked through the doors of my church, they either just went through a divorce or they're going through a divorce. They either just got out of jail or they're, or they're probably in trial right now because they're going to jail. They're either already on drugs or they're just starting to use drugs. And that was pretty much true of anybody can't, you know, can't, you know, they're either having an affair or they just had an affair or they're thinking about having an affair. You know what I mean? That everybody that came. And because people knew that this was a place they could come to and not be rejected. And so people with messed up needs would come to our church. And so the things that I teach about heart work, it's not theory and it wasn't done with well-adjusted people. It was done with the worst of the worst. Some of them were murderers. I mean, uh, uh, I mean I've mean, i worked with everything, every kind of scenario you can believe. So, you know, you start watching, it's like, man, I, you know, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting better results. Uh, people totally turning their lives around and having a relationship with God than almost anybody I know. But still you go, but, you know what? There's still, I, I realize there's still something that I'm missing to some degree. Okay. And so, and, and I'll kind of pitch this out here and we'll, sit, we'll have a little bit of discussion about it. But, okay. But I, uh, <clears throat> so many people had crises, I mean, big crises problem. So I, I taught them, and, and you know, I have a great, Heart physics module called um, take it. I, I th- what is it? Something about the limits. Uh, take the limits off God. No, uh, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so caught up in my story. I can't remember yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. But anyhow, um, <clears throat> people, you know, would have such incredible crises 
that uh, um, I had to develop heart physics exercises that were more focused toward solving one major belief. Yeah, like why, yes. why are you doing drugs? Why? Why do you every time you get in, insecure? Why do you commit adultery? You know what I mean? All of those. I mean, which you know, these are the kind of things that destroy marriages, destroy lives. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like okay, so we, I saw phenomenal results in that, and um, oh, limitless living. That, that that's the name of it, and it's a it's a it's just a two exercise heart physics thing that I'm telling you, I've used it more in one-on-one -on -one counseling than anything I've ever, ever used. But <clears throat> what I started realizing was that many times people are satisfied to solve a major problem, but solving that major problem doesn't necessarily take them on a lifetime journey with God. It just mm. relieves the problem. And so, I, you know, I spent a lot of years looking at that and saying, and really just and looking at my own life, how I did things in my own life. And I realized that in my own life, I very seldom ever went to God to solve an individual problem. Hmm. Almost never. Hmm. And, and so I thought, well, okay, well, then what do I do? And it took me a little while to kind of think this through. And I started realizing what I do in my own life more than anything else is I want to experience renewal. Yes. And we tend to want to get so specific and honed in on this one current situation that I think that when we just take it a little more general and just say, Jesus, I need your presence and I need renewal and I need the breath of God. I think, is that what you're saying? Well, I'm, as well, I'm also hearing oftentimes we go to God with an issue. Yeah. So I, I have an agenda or I have a, yep. it's topical. Yes, you know, I, I need to resolve yeah. this. And then when this gets resolved, my life gets better. And so I, I'm, I think I'm hearing is, you know, it, I, I need, that might be the missing part. It, it's more, it has to be more. Yep than just resolving a current heartache problem. or yes. problem. Yes. yes. You know, uh, when I had my clinic uh, and people would come in, you know, with health problems, you know, I would do, a, I would do an assessment and the way the treatment that we use would be, would be root branch and fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the concept of the root is what is really the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. The concept of the branch would be all the, all the many areas of your life that could be affected because of this root problem. And mm -hmm. the fruit could be all of the different ways in your life, individual ways that this is Manifesting. showing up. Yeah. Showing up. Yeah. Showing up. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, um, I developed decades ago, you know, this concept of if you don't like apples, and so mm -hmm. let's say whether you're trying to solve a health problem, an emotion problem, a relationship problem, whatever. So you, let's say you don't like apples. And so you go get therapy that teaches you how to pick apples off the tree. Well, then you're going to go around this tree and you're going to mm -hmm. spend a lot of time focusing on and attempting to identify what's wrong with you because you know, what's wrong is you got apples and you don't like apples. And so you get, you start getting real introspective. You start getting more focused on the problem. Yeah. All are, you think about now is apples because yeah. you got to find the apples. So you got to get rid of the apples. And so even if you go all the way around that apple tree and <clears> eventually <throat> get rid of all of your apples, two things are going to happen. Uh, well, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a reprieve, so to speak. You, you know, you're going to have a while that's like, oh, man, thank God there are no apples. But the problem is two things happen. Number one, the apples are always going to grow back because the mm -hmm. root and the branch supports the growth, the regrowth yeah. of apples. Right. Um, but not only that, those apples are going to drop off on the ground. When you cut them off, they're going to drop off on the ground around you. 
and those mm-hmm. seeds are going to end up growing more, <laughs> growing more, growing trees. more little apple trees. <laughs> yeah. And so you, so you spend your life trying to solve the manifestation, <laughs> the most shallow aspect, if you will. Now, in some ways, it's the part of the problem that affects you the most because this is what touches everybody around you. This is mm-hmm. how you treat people. This is what mm-hmm. other people see and know this about you. This is your problem. Yeah. This is your problem that everyone sees. And so, so we want to deal with those things on a very superficial level. But our entire life will become about getting rid of apples over and over and over. And at some point, you are going to get so discouraged from doing this that you're either going to say, you know what, I'm just going to learn to like apples. Or you're going to get mad at God and say, you know, God, I did all these right things and it worked for a minute. Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you protect me? Or you might create a doctrine that says, well, see, God keeps giving me apples so that I can go through these hardships. So that I can Cause actually because I want to have a hard life. Yeah, now I have a yeah. now I have a hard life, <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> but the real truth is, uh, the Bible says to lay the axe to the root, not to the fruit. And if you can lay your axe to the root cause, so l- let me give you an example of this. Let's say a person comes into my clinic, and they've got really massive phlegm problems, mm-hmm. and so you know I start. I start looking at their diet and, you know, I, I do a, a workup on them and I realize that they are eating a lot of cheese, uh, drinking a lot of milk, a lot of dairy products and, uh, and eating sweets. Well, those foods cause phlegm. Right, right. So, but right now that phlegm is just a drainage that is, a, you know, annoying, but you know, that's what to make Kleenex for and. That's what you take Zyrtec for or something like that. And uh, that's not wrong. It's not that those things, doing it that way is wrong. But here, here's the problem. So let's say after a little while, you have phlegm so regularly that you get inflammation in your throat and your breath starts to smell bad. And now you just notice every time you try to kiss your spouse, they kind of back up. You know, and have to, you, you don't know it at first, but what they're doing is they're, they're moving back so they can suck the breath in and hold their breath to kiss you so that they don't have to breathe and smell the funk because, you know, phlegm smells like fish. It, no, it does. Excessive phlegm smells like fish. So, Well, that is not pleasant. No, that is not pleasant. <laughs> not for the other guy, anyhow. So, uh, so you know, it, so it starts affecting you on, on that <clears throat> level. Well, then as phlegm begins to uh, uh, actually... Uh, get lodged in your body, then it it starts causing inflammation. So now you're getting inflammation and you don't understand why, you know, you get sore easier than you used to get sore. And so, but then after a while, that inflammation uh, reaches a place to where it, it can almost become crippling. And ultimately, if that inflammation persists long enough, it will become cancer. So if that person comes to me, in the very beginning, it's a phlegm problem. If that person comes to me when it's bad breath, it's still a phlegm problem. If that person comes to me when uh, they're starting to feel heavier and sluggish, it's still a phlegm problem. When that person comes to me when they've got inflammation, it's still a phlegm problem. When that person comes to me where that inflammation has, you know, is now turning into arthritis, it's still a phlegm problem. When that person comes to me and has cancer, it's still a phlegm problem. But see, they never wanted to deal with the issue of diet back here in the very beginning. And just say, this is what gives me phlegm. So I'm going to go to the root of where this is coming from. And I'm cutting that out. <clears throat> and uh, and that, it all could have been solved then. But you know, when yeah. you're down the road and this is cancer, yeah, you're like, this is monumental. I don't have the faith for this. But you, you, you know, if you had cut that thing down in the beginning, all you had to have the faith for was a little bit of self-control for your diet. So we don't under root problems as opposed to fruit problems. It's sort of like setting up a bunch of dominoes. And every one of these dominoes represents something 
that is unpleasant, you know, unhealthy, painful, shameful, whatever, and you're having to deal with it constantly. So before long, your life is just a big bunch of circles of dominoes. But what's interesting is now you can go through and you you can you know you can take out certain dominoes. So, so you know let's let's treat the nasal phlegm. Well, okay, but still got the root problem. You still got phlegm, and then you can have something. Else. Okay, let's let's uh, let's treat how phlegm is affecting me over here, and then you know so you're just constantly dealing with what's wrong. You're getting again getting introspective, getting discouraged, starting to feel like your faith doesn't work. And you start feeling like your problem is way, way, way bigger than it, than it ever was. Uh, <clears throat> but the interesting thing is, if you deal with the root of the problem, it's like walking over to that first domino and just pushing it over, and suddenly all of the dominoes start falling. And mm -hmm. so you can solve one root problem and discover that it actually eradicated dozens of individual life problems. So when we go... Isn't that encouraging? Oh, man, Like, that is so encouraging. You solve one root problem, all of a sudden your life, by the way, is getting easier. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> on the other side of everything you want is, is the presence of God and yeah. living in, in His incredible communion with Him. That's, that's, that's on the other side of everything you want, not a hard life. No. No, and you know what? That, that, if you encounter anybody ever says that, that's what it says. Somebody says, you know, everything you want is on the other side of hardship. You say, no, everything I want is on the other side of Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Period on that one. <laughs> Ain't that the Bang. truth? Yeah. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Solve one problem, one root problem, and it eradicates a ton of other problems. Oh, yeah. And as I said, and that's when you're wondering, why is life so good? Why yeah. is li why is everything going my way? Why do I keep finding what I'm looking for? Yeah. Why why is you know? And so that's I I just hope, listener, you're you're just hearing this incredible inspiration and this invitation to just go, oh wow, I get to deal with roots yeah. and just to root out those things in my life because then life just gets fun, yeah. enjoyable, easy, and it's the Opposite of atrophy? Yeah. Is that the word we were using? Epiphany. Entropy. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a new word for me, Jim. That's okay. Right, I'm, right. Sure, no. I'm sure some people listening are going, uh, it's a new word for me, Audrey, so it's okay. That's my new word today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, stop and think. So if you're going to God to deal with individual problems, yeah. Then, you know, in, 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 in clinical language, we talk about presenting problems. The presenting problems are the fruit problems. They're the ones that on a conscious or physiological level, they're causing you pain. But anyhow, they're, they're doing something whereby you are aware. You know, mm -hmm. you, you know you're conscious of them. You're you, noticing them. Yeah, you're noticing yeah. So, So, you know, everybody that came into my clinic always wanted you to start with the symptom, the presenting problem, the fruit problem. And, uh, you know, idealistic practitioners, and I had a lot of buddies I talked to, you know, they would be all idealistic. And a lot of times they're like, no, you know, if you don't want to deal with root problem, I don't want to treat you. And it's like, no, you got to give people some hope. And so, yeah. And, and yeah. so if somebody gets a good experience and gets a victory in the area. They start going, mm -hmm. oh man, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. can help me. They start yes. trusting. Then there's some trust there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, but something you got to realize is this. Uh, you cannot, with your intellectual mind, diagnose the problem. You cannot, with your intellectual mind, identify the solution because, because the root problems are always heart problems. They're always beliefs of the heart. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the intellectual mind uh, and the heart you know, once you learn how to hear the voice of God in your heart, once you learn just how to recognize the voice of your own heart, then you start realizing, you know, there's a lot of things I think would solve this problem. And I've tried them all and none of them work. Well, the reason they didn't work is because that wasn't coming out of your heart. That was coming out of your mind. And right. the one, remember, I say this thousands of times. The one thing that the mind does is it serves to protect your ego by... Oh proving to you that you're right. 
that your belief is correct, that that root is actually needs to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> like the root of your wrong belief yeah. or disempowering belief. Yeah. So, you know, what I began to realize is I, I needed to be able to help people. Yeah. If, you know, like I said, I've got great tools. If you got individual problems, I got great tools for dealing with those individual problems. Mm-hmm. But there has to come a place in your life where you're saying, I'm really not, I mean, yeah, I want to get rid of this individual problem, but, but I really want to get to the root problems that right now I can't even intellectually perceive what they are. I can't really, no. yeah, I can't really look at my life and no. say, yeah, I know what's driving all this. Yeah. If we could do that, a lot of people would do it, but yeah. it, it's not always easy. It's not the easiest right. place to get to. There are ways to get there. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're almost we're almost out of time, but I kind of want to start pointing to cuz you know, you know how we do it. We always do foundation. Lay the foundation. <laughs> we're just laying the foundation for even what renewal is. If you don't and the thing is, if you don't get the foundation of something, it never really works well for you because you're not sure right. what you're doing, you're not sure why you're doing it. You know what I mean? Is you're just doing Yeah. And I can tell you, Jim, <clears throat> that what we've talked about is so so valuable. Like everything. Oh, even yeah. the whole thing about the apples, even though that's a concept I live by, that I minister by. Just saying it again the way you said it was just another level. Like it was just that simplicity of you don't like that problem. Well, you can go around and fix that problem yep. all day long and you'll get temporary relief. And then all of a sudden you'll wonder why it's growing back and you'll wonder why it's multiplying because the seeds are falling on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, it's just yeah. that right. simply profound. And sometimes, you know, you need that tool, you know, just to deal, <laughs> you know, with the fruit of your life. Yeah. But then, you know, during that reprieve (laughs) season deal with your heart because otherwise it you know it you'll just create a cycle and you'll just keep going around again and so it's like yeah sometimes you need to kind of draw a truce you know you know create a tool hey this is where we're going to have agreement but then during that that season it's just like okay now i'm really going to begin to deal with me yeah but few people are serious enough about it to put the time in to actually right. deal with the real problem. And plus, it, it's not even just the time. You know, and, and teaching about the parables, you, you, know, you know, the heart physics parable, I've always called the, the, the seed and the sower the heart physics parable because mm-hmm. there's no place that simplifies it any more than that. But what's really interesting, there are things you learn from, from what Matthew told us about this parable versus what Mark told us about this parable. You know, Mark, uh, as I understand it, Mark really wasn't, he was the, he was the secretary that wrote the book of Mark, but the book of Mark was actually uh, expressed to him by the apostle Peter. Now, Peter, he was, his behavior pattern was one that liked dramatic results. And so that's why the book of Mark is just constantly miracle, miracle, deliverance, miracle. It's not so much about what Jesus taught. It was all about his power, these dramatic yes. results. And so uh, I believe the word of God's inspired. And I believe that God used the different apostles in all of the different books to do several things. Number one, to bring out a different perspective mm-hmm. and to also make it effective for the people that they were trying to reach. That doesn't mean yes. there's any conflict in it. It doesn't mean there's any no. natural, no. you know, uh, uh, ambiguity or, or that sort of thing. Right. So, but in the, in the book of Matthew, when, when Matthew goes through this, he uses the word change and our tendency, because, you know, we put so much emphasis on transformation. Right. That for years, I didn't even look up what that word meant in the Greek. Because I just, my assumption was that it was right. just, it was just talking about transformation. Right. But, you know, in Matthew, he, 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 he tells, he says this and people, people get it wrong. Of course, you know, number one, uh, Jesus said, if you don't get this, how will you understand any of the parables? 
if you don't get this, you this is the doorway to understand, not just intellectually understanding, but operationally understanding, putting putting them into practice and how to how to deal with the, the things that are brought out in the other parables. So, you know, uh, Matthew was the one that where, where it tells about, you know, I, and I may have done this in, in Mark too, but, but Matthew talks about how that uh, uh, Jesus told him, you know, that, I, that the reason I teach in parables is because it's given to you to know uh, the things of the kingdom. So if parables were not to hide things, Parables were to make things easily understood. Mm -hmm. And the only mm -hmm. reason you can't understand a parable is because you have already made up your mind what they're saying, what it means. Yeah. And so you're not allowing God any space to Sounds say. Sounds like there's so many depths to parables, oh, so many absolutely. layers. And absolutely. if you haven't decided, you've got so we've got so much more. So Jesus says, He says, you know, it's given to you to know the parable parables but basically and i'm paraphrasing but not to those who are without so you you look at that and you think oh so some of them are predestined or something no that's really not so so when i started working on just well actually i spent about 40 years studying the kingdom of god before i ever wrote my book heaven on earth because i you know i got some great teaching when i was in bible college I had a great teacher but i always kept thinking now this is good but there's a, there's a lot missing, and so I would all, I would go back ever you know every few years read all the parables. Okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? Right. And the first big thing is I realized is the parables had nothing to do with salvation. They had nothing to do with anything. The parables were about the types of attitudes that keep you functioning within this realm called the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. And uh, and and that's why Jesus said it's hard. To enter in, he didn't say it's hard to get saved. He says it's hard to enter in to this realm called, you know, we call the kingdom life because there has to be a surrendering to the lordship of Jesus, and uh, you know, and we have to give up selfishness because all the parables represent mm -hmm. giving up selfishness, having integrity, you know, serving other people, and that sort of thing. So anyhow, so man, I just did a deep dive on this. What what are they without? When Jesus said it's not given to those who are without, he wasn't talking to those who are outside of our group. There was something that was missing in their life and in their heart that kept them from being able to grasp the parables. And it all goes back to the very first teaching about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven starts with, you got to repent. Hmm. And if you are not a repentant person, which means teachable, open, you know, willing to receive instruction, if, you, mm. if that's not your attitude, you can never grasp huh. or enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And wow, so laid out so go clearly. Ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, just not given to those that are without. And just yeah. the, cl the clarity of that. Yeah. If you're without a repentant heart and a teachable, humble spirit, yeah. you're not going to get this. No. And that's, that's even where we began. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the a starting place today. That's this right. is the starting place. Yeah. And I want to, Again, relinquish yeah. or, or, you know, Lay down. let go yeah. of my opinions. Yes. Yeah. I want to be teachable. I don't want to And it's okay <laughs> for me to be, to, to be able to say, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. And as you said earlier, Jim, you know what? I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. So why would I then presume and then limit my life? And, and ruin my life. Remember the scripture said, mm -hmm. don't ruin your life yeah. by hanging on to all those opinions. So, you know, you think... And, and Matthew there, where it makes the first reference toward their eyes have been closed, it sounds mm -hmm. like God is saying they are without, so God is the one that closed their eyes. And a lot of people will teach that. I've heard people teach that, that God decides who he's going to let see this and understand. It's not what it says. That they are mm -hmm. without a repentant heart. And, and the way you know this is because then Jesus goes down and explains what he means by this. He says, they have closed their eyes lest right. they see and perceive. They have closed their ears unless they hear and understand. And I don't remember what the third day was, but then it says, and they've done all this, lest they see, perceive, hear, and understand and have to change. 
and find out they were wrong. And that's just, that is <laughs> just repent. the word change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That change, oh. change. Mm-hmm. They might, I might have to change. So, Whoa. And, and kind of wrapping up where we were and, and, and leaving a little bit of room for any kind of discussion. So you start realizing if I am going to God and I'm, I'm explaining to God, God, this is my problem. I thought this through. This is my problem. This is what I want you to fix in me. That doesn't mean that he can't deal with it on some level that you're willing to get help. But it means that you are taking your carnal mind, your ego-driven opinions, and saying, I have made my assessment. So God, I want you to work by my diagnosis. That's, that's like going to your, your cancer doctor your and doctor, say, yeah. you know what I think we could do? I think we could shine a flashlight right there where that cancer is, and that light would just soak it in my body and kill that cancer. Sure, Let's just do that. Well, you know, order your casket. <clears throat> but um, where we want to take people to in this next, next week is we want to take them into this discovering to enter into this dimension, going through the dollar, going through the door of the Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. himself Mm. and really not going in with any agenda other than Hmm. I want renewal. I don't just want to solve a problem. I want to renewal because I don't want to find myself here again. So I'm really, I'm really go. And we want to discuss renewal and what that means. Yeah. 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 But I'm just going to say, okay, God, I am here with you. And yeah. I know that when I walk out of your presence, I know that I will be renewed. I will experience transformation. And, uh, you know, you know more about what's causing my problems than I do. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just going oh, to let you in, have your way. Yeah. Everything in me <clears throat> gets like, it just sparks. Yeah. It's just like you just went, yeah. Oh, yeah. To think that we will go through that door without an agenda. That's all you had to say. I was like, yeah. Yep. What a amazing invitation oh yeah because it's so true that we have tended to pray god here's my problem please fix it and i've made an assessment and i know what i need to do and i know what you need yep. to do you know I, i've done that with god i oh, need you to have. do this yeah and i'll do this and then you do this i've got it all figured out well you know it's like wow that is a literal agenda nah. one of the <laughs> things years ago you know that had a profound effect on, on y'all's lives was you know when y'all heard me talk about I don't really ever pray for money. Right. Yeah. And because, you know, even mm-hmm. back that far back, I was realizing that we got this big, long list of stuff that Jesus said in two different places. Don't pray about these things. Yeah. Now, I can tell you this. Every prayer seminar I have ever been in as a Christian, they were going to tell you the secret formulas of how to pray for those things that Jesus told you not to pray for and get them. <laughs> and so, I mean, even most of what we've been taught about prayer is that whole thing. I'm going with my agenda because, I mean, I know you said not to pray about this, Jesus, but you know what? I've been thinking about this. And Pastor Bob, he says, you know, he says that I should pray about this. And, and he's got some kind of insight about this that's not even in the Bible. It's so powerful. And so I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this thing that's not even in the Bible that you said not to do. And you know what? This is going to solve my problem. And that's where that's how most of us go to God. We'll solve our problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love life because I love how absolutely different it is to walk through a door without an agenda Mm -hmm. and and get renewed, not just day by day, but moment by moment. You know, mm-hmm. and and know that that's it's not even words spoken, but something happens. Yep. Yesterday, I had a, a big day of a lot of appointments. I had twenty minutes between appointments, and I walked outside, and all I had to do was just walk, put one foot in the other, and be in nature yep. and just enjoy what happens to my heart. Yep. Just being with God. You know what I mean? And then everything's changed. And then I'm renewed and I'm ready for the next appointment, you know? But if we try and do things on our home human strength and try to believe that life is hard, then wow, then that gets pretty exhausting. I love this session. Good. It was a good day. Jim, thank you so very much. Thank you so much. What an an invitation for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think for, you know, 
our listeners today, we've been we've been marching around <laughs> the bad fruit, Bob the unwanted, yeah, the unwanted fruit in our lives, <laughs> and you know, going from issue to problem to issue again. And I I know that for you, you really do. You guys are ready for this. You're ready for uh, a brand new beginning. So I'm looking forward to our next uh, week together. Renewal and experiencing. You know, going through the door. Yes. And each of us, we do want to experience renewal. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. That was fun, wasn't it?